Section number 53 of Elia and the Last Essays of Elia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Adrian Stevens. Elia and the Last Essays of Elia by Charles Lamb. Popular Fallacies. Fallacies 1 to 9. 1 that a bully is always a coward this axiom contains a principle of compensation which disposes us to admit the truth of it but there is no safe trusting to dictionaries and definitions we should more willingly fall in with this popular language if we did not find brutality sometimes awkwardly coupled with valour in the same vocabulary the comic writers with their poetical justice have contributed not a little to mislead us upon this point to see a hectoring fellow exposed and beaten upon the stage has something in it wonderfully diverting some people's share of animal spirits is notoriously low and defective it has not strength to rise a vapour or furnish out the wind of a tolerable bluster these love to be told that huffing is no part of valour the truest courage with them is that which is the least noisy and obtrusive but confront one of these silent heroes with the swaggerer of real life and his confidence in the theory quickly vanishes pretensions do not uniformly bespeak non-performance a most inoffensive deportment does not necessarily imply valour neither does the absence of it justify us in denying that quality hickman wanted modesty we do not mean him of clarissa but whoever doubted his courage even the poets upon whom this equitable distribution of qualities should be most binding have thought it agreeable to nature to depart from the rule upon occasion harapha in the agnostices is indeed a bully upon the received notions milton has made him at once a blusterer a giant and a dastard but almanzor in dryden talks of driving armies singly before him and does it tom brown had a shrewder insight into this kind of character than either of his predecessors he divides the palm more equably and allows his hero a sort of demidiative preeminence bully dawson kicked by half the town and half the town kicked by bully dawson this was true distributive justice Two that ill-gotten gain never prospers the weakest part of mankind have this saying commonest in their mouth it is the trite consolation administered to the easy dupe when he has been tricked out of his money or estate that the acquisition of it will do the owner no good but the rogues of this world the prudenter part of them at least know better and if the observation had been as true as it is old would not have failed by this time to have discovered it they have pretty sharp distinctions of the fluctuating and the permanent lightly come lightly go is a proverb which they can very well afford to leave when they leave little else to the losers they do not always find manors got by rapine or chicanery insensibly to melt away as the poets will have it or that all gold glides like thawing snow from the thief's hand that grasps it church land alienated to lay uses was formerly denounced to have this slippery quality 
but some portions of it somehow always stuck so fast that the denunciators have been vain to postpone the prophecy of refundment to a late posterity three that a man must not laugh at his own jest the severest exaction surely ever invented upon the self-denial of poor human nature this is to expect a gentleman to give a treat without partaking of it to sit esurient at his own table and commend the flavour of his venison upon the absurd strength of his never touching it himself on the contrary we love to see a wag taste his own joke to his party to watch a quirk or a merry conceit flickering upon the lip some seconds before the tongue is delivered of it if it be good fresh and racy begotten of the occasion if he that utters it never thought it before he is naturally the first to be tickled with it and any suppression of such complacence we hold to be churlish and insulting what does it seem to imply but that your company is weak or foolish enough to be moved by an image or a fancy then shall stir you not at all or but faintly this is exactly the humour of the fine gentleman in mandeville who while he dazzles his guests with the display of some costly toy affects himself to see nothing considerable in it four that such a one shows his breeding that it is easy to perceive he is no gentleman a speech from the poorer sort of people which always indicates that the party vituperated is a gentleman the very fact which they deny is that which galls and exasperates them to use this language the forbearance with which it is usually received is a proof what interpretation the bystander sets upon it of akin to this and still less politic are the phrases with which in their street rhetoric they ply one another more grossly he is a poor creature he has not a rag to cover etc though this last we confess is more frequently applied by females to females they do not perceive that the satire glances upon themselves a poor man of all things in the world should not upbraid an antagonist with poverty are there no other topics as to tell him his father was hanged his sister etc without exposing a secret which should be kept snug between them and doing an affront to the order to which they have the honour equally to belong all this while they do not see how the wealthier man stands by and laughs in his sleeve at both five that the poor copy the vices of the rich a smooth text to the latter and preached from the pulpit is sure of a docile audience from the pews lined with satin it is twice sitting upon velvet to a foolish squire to be told that he and not a perverse nature as the homilies would make us imagine is the true cause of all the irregularities in his parish this is striking at the root of free will indeed and denying the originality of sin in any sense but men are not such implicit sheep as this comes to if the abstinence from evil on the part of the upper classes is to deride itself from no higher principle then the apprehension of setting ill patterns to the lower we beg leave to discharge them from all squeamishness on that score they may even take their fill of pleasures where they can find them the genius of poverty hampered and straitened as it is is not so barren of invention but it can trade upon the staple of its own vice without drawing upon their capital 
the poor are not such servile imitators as they take them for some of them are for very clever artists in their way here and there we find an original who taught the poor to steal to pilfer they do not go to the great for schoolmasters in these faculties surely it is well if in some vices they allow us to be no copyists in no other sense is it true that the poor copy them than as servants may be said to take after their masters and mistresses when they succeed to their reversionary cold meats if the master from indisposition or some other cause neglect his food the servant dines notwithstanding oh but some will say the force of example is great we know a lady who was so scrupulous on this head that she would put up with the cause of the most impertinent visitor rather than let her servant say she was not at home for fear of teaching her maid to tell an untruth and this in the very face of the fact which she knew well enough that the wench was one of the greatest liars upon the earth without teaching so much so that her mistress possibly never heard two words of consecutive truth from her in her life but nature must go for nothing example must be everything this liar in grain who never opened her mouth without a lie must be guarded against a remote inference which she pretty casuist might possibly draw from a form of words literally false but essentially deceiving no one that under some circumstances a fib might not be so exceedingly sinful a fiction too not at all in her own way or one that she could be suspected of adopting for few servant wenches care to be denied to visitors this word example reminds us of another fine word which is in use upon these occasions encouragement people in our sphere must not be thought to give an encouragement to such proceedings to such a frantic height is this principle capable of being carried that we have known individuals who have thought it within the scope of their influence to sanction despair and give eclat to suicide a domestic in the family of a county member lately deceased for love or some unknown cause cut his throat but not successfully the poor fellow was otherwise much loved and respected and great interest was used in his behalf upon his recovery that he might be permitted to retain his place his word being first pledged not without some substantial sponsors to promise for him that the like should never happen again his master was inclined to keep him but his mistress thought otherwise and john in the end was dismissed her ladyship declaring that she could not think of encouraging any such doings in the county six that enough is as good as a feast not a man woman or child in ten miles round guildhall who really believes this saying the inventor of it did not believe it himself it was made in revenge by somebody who was disappointed of a regale it is a vile cold scrag of mutton sophism a lie palmed upon the palate which knows better things if nothing else could be said for a feast this is sufficient that from the superflux there is usually something left for the next day morally interpreted it belongs to a class of proverbs which have a tendency to make us undervalue money of this caste are those notable observations that money is not health riches cannot purchase everything 
the metaphor which makes gold to be mere muck with the morality which traces fine clothing to the sheep's back and denounces pearl as the unhandsome excretion of an oyster here too the phrase which imputes dirt to acres a sophistry so barefaced that even the literal sense of it is true only in a wet season this and abundance of similar sage sores assuming to inculcate content we verily believe to have been the invention of some cunning borrower who had designs upon the purse of his wealthier neighbour which he could only hope to carry by force of these verbal jugglings translate any one of these sayings out of the artful metonym which envelops it and the trick is apparent goodly legs and shoulders and mutton exhilarating cordials books pictures the opportunities of seeing foreign countries independence heartsease a man's own time to himself are not muck however we may be pleased to scandalize with that appellation the faithful metal that provides them for us seven of two disputants the warmest is generally in the wrong our experience would lead us to quite an opposite conclusion temper indeed is no test of truth but warmth and earnestness are a proof at least of a man's own conviction of the rectitude of that which he maintains coolness is as often the result of an unprincipled indifference to truth or falsehood as of a sober confidence in a man's own side of a dispute nothing is more insulting sometimes than the appearance of this philosophic temper there is little titibus the stammering law-stationer in lincoln's inn we have seldom known this shrewd little fellow engaged in an argument where we were not convinced he had the best of it if his tongue would but fairly have seconded him when he has been spluttering excellent broken sense for an hour together writhing and labouring to be delivered of the point of dispute the very gist of the controversy knocking at his teeth which like some obstinate iron grating still obstructed its deliverance his puny frame convulsed and face reddening all over at an unfairness in the logic which he wanted articulation to expose it has moved our gall to see a smooth portly fellow of an adversary that cared not a button for the merits of the question but merely by laying his hand upon the head of the stationer and desiring him to be calm your tall disputants always have the advantage with a provoking sneer carry the argument clean from him in the opinion of all the bystanders who have gone away clearly convinced that titibus must have been in the wrong because he was in a passion and that mr hmm, meaning his opponent is one of the fairest and at the same time one of the most dispassionate arguers breathing eight that verbal allusions are not wit because they will not bear a translation the same might be said of the wittiest local allusions a custom is sometimes as difficult to explain to a foreigner as a pun what would become of a great part of the wit of the last age if it were tried by this test how would certain topics as aldermanity cuckoldry have sounded to terentian auditory though terence himself had been alive to translate them senator urbanus with curica to boot for a synonym would but faintly have done the business words involving notions are hard enough to render 
it is too much to expect us to translate a sound and give an elegant version to a jingle the virgilian harmony is not translatable but by substituting harmonious sounds in another language for it to latinize a pun we must seek a pun in latin that will answer to it as to give an idea of the double endings in hudibras we must have recourse to a similar practice in the old monkish doggerel dennis the fiercest opinion of puns in ancient or modern times professes himself highly tickled with the a stick chiming to ecclesiastic yet what is this but a species of pun a verbal consonance nine that the worst puns are the best if by worst be only meant the most far-fetched and startling we agree to it a pun is not bound by the laws which limit nicer wit it is a pistol let off in the ear not a feather to tickle the intellect it is an antic which does not stand upon manners but comes bounding into the presence and does not show the less comic for being dragged in sometimes by the head and shoulders what though it limp a little or prove defective in one leg all the better a pun may easily be too curious and artificial who has not at one time or other been the party of professors himself an old offender in that line where after ringing a round of the most ingenious conceits every man contributing his shot and some there the most expert shooters of the day after making a poor word run the gauntlet till it is ready to drop after hunting and winding it through all the possible ambages of similar sounds after squeezing and hauling and tugging at it till the very milk of it will not yield a drop further suddenly some obscure unthought-of fellow in the corner who was never prentice to the trade whom the company for very pity passed over as we do know by a poor man when a money subscription is going round no one calling upon him for his quota has all at once come out with something so whimsical yet so pertinent so brazen in its pretensions yet so impossible to be denied so exquisitely good and so deplorably bad at the same time that it has proved a robin hood's shot anything ulterior to that is despaired of and the party breaks up unanimously voting it to be the very worst that is best pun of the evening this species of wit is the better for not being perfect in all its parts what it gains in completeness it loses in naturalness the more exactly it satisfies the critical the less hold it has upon some other faculties the puns which are most entertaining are those which will least bear an analysis of this kind is the following recorded with a sort of stigma in one of swift's miscellanies an oxford scholar meeting a porter who was carrying a hare through the streets accosts him with this extraordinary question prithee friend is that thy own hare or a whig there is no excusing this and no resisting it a man might blur ten sides of paper in attempting a defence of it against a critic who should be laughter-proof the quibble in itself is not considerable it is only a new turn given by a little false pronunciation to a very common though not very courteous inquiry put by one gentleman to another at a dinner-party it would have been vapid 
to the mistress of the house it would have shown much less wit than rudeness we must take in the totality of time place and person the pert look of the inquiring scholar the desponding looks of the puzzled porter the one stopping at leisure the other hurrying on with his burthen the innocent though rather abrupt tendency of the first member of the question with the utter and inextricable irrelevancy of the second the place a public street not favourable to frivolous investigations the affrontive quality of the primitive inquiry the common question insidiously transferred to the derivative the new turn given to it in the implied satire namely that few of that tribe are expected to eat of the good things which they carry they being in most countries considered rather as the temporary trustees than owners of such dainties which the fellow was beginning to understand but then the wig again comes in and he can make nothing of it all put together constitute a picture hogarth could have made it intelligible on canvas yet nine out of ten critics will pronounce this a very bad pun because of the defectiveness in the concluding member which is its very beauty and constitutes the surprise the same persons shall cry up for admirable the cold quibble from virgil about the broken cremona footnote swift and footnote because it is made out in all its parts and leaves nothing to the imagination we venture to call it cold because of thousands who have admired it it would be difficult to find one who has heartily chuckled at it as appealing to the judgment merely setting the risible faculty aside we must pronounce it a moment of curious felicity but as some stories are said to be too good to be true it may with equal truth be asserted of this biverbal allusion that it is too good to be natural one cannot help suspecting that the incident was invented to fit the line it would have been better had it been less perfect like some virgilian hemistiches it has suffered by filling up the nimium vecina was enough in conscience the cremono afterwards loads it it is in fact a double pun and we have always observed that a superfoetation in this sort of wit is dangerous when a man has said a good thing it is seldom politic to follow it up we do not care to be cheated a second time or perhaps the mind of man with reverence be it spoken is not capacious enough to lodge two puns at a time the impression to be forcible must be simultaneous and undivided end of section fifty three